MPB Think Radio. This is In Legal Terms, a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law and Attorney Frank Coxwell of Coxwell Attorneys in Jackson. This morning, we will talk about the specifics of mortgages. How are they bought and sold? Is your mortgage company really in control of your mortgage? We'll also talk about some recent laws passed by the Consumer Bureau to fix mortgage problems. Later, we'll discuss predatory lending and its effects. You can call us at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions or comments about mortgages. That's 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll be back right after the news. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. This is a show all about you and your rights. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law and Attorney Frank Coxwell of Coxwell Attorneys in Jackson. This morning, we will talk about the specifics of mortgages. How are they bought and sold? Is your mortgage company really in control of your mortgage? We'll also talk about some recent laws passed by the Consumer Bureau to fix mortgage problems. Later, we'll discuss predatory lending and its effects. And we'd love to hear from you this morning. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions about mortgages, how they are bought, sold, managed. If you have any questions or comments about predatory lending, call us at 877-MPB-RING. That's 877-672-7464 or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. So, Professor Gershon, good morning to you. You are not in Mississippi. No, good morning, Sharita. I am in Columbia, South Carolina, and I want to give a shout out to my good friend uh, Rob Wilcox, who's the dean of the University of South Carolina School of Law, and their staff who have been so welcoming to me to let me use their facilities to do the show, and they're in a brand new building, so I'll put a shout out uh, for that as well. Excellent. Now, don't leave us now and, and stay in Carolina. We need you here in Mississippi. <laughs> no, we love Mississippi, and uh, we're committed to it, So, uh, but it, it's uh, it's just nice to to be in a different uh, city every once in a while. Yeah, sure thing. Maybe you'll get a chance to stop by Myrtle Beach. It looks really uh, nice. Uh, So you wanted to talk about a couple stories. I read, and maybe I saw this on the news yesterday, about uh, Donald Trump, President Trump getting sued. Um, And you you wanted to talk a little bit about this. Uh, The attorneys general of Maryland and Washington are actually filing a suit against President Trump. And this is a story from Jurist.org, alleging that he has violated the Constitution by accepting payments and gifts from foreign governments while in office. So could you talk a little bit more about that? Well, yes, Rita. I mean, it's uh, the, the Constitution prohibits federal officials from accepting gifts or emoluments from foreign governments. Uh, and it also prohibits the president from accepting economic benefits or emoluments from federal or state governments other than his salary. I mean, the, the, the interesting thing about this is another suit was brought uh, before this one, but it was brought by a watchdog group. This is actually being brought by two state uh, you know, governments. This is actually uh, officials bringing this suit. Uh, the, the interesting thing is that in 230 years, no courts interpreted exactly what is an emolument. So we don't really know for sure what it is. But the idea that the, the uh, people in, in, in the federal government should be there for public service, not self-service, and uh, you know, rather than building a, a business empire, uh, they should be worried about the affairs of state. Yeah. 
let's see, another story. Uh, Puerto Rico is voting for statehood in referendum with uh, low turnout. Uh, could you talk a little bit about that? Why do you think Puerto Rico is interested in statehood? Well, Sharita, you know, that the, uh, this has been an ongoing process. Puerto Rico periodically has the opportunity to vote for statehood or complete independence or continuation of uh, their position as a commonwealth. Uh, and, uh, you know, this this time they actually voted for statehood, which must be approved by um, Congress. Very low turnout uh, on this vote, about 20-something percent of the people voted. Uh, Puerto Rico has had a um, uh, really bad recession recently. The idea of statehood would, would mean that they would have representation. They would have senators. They would have uh, people in Congress. Uh, they do have the vote uh, in our uh, federal elections, but... Um, this would give them a little more representation. And so it's interesting, but Congress has to approve that statehood for it to become official. Yeah. Lastly, I wanted to ask, uh, did you catch uh, the Comey testimony? Did you have any thoughts? Um, You know, what what implications uh, could you deduce from what you saw? Well, I will say this. I think, you know, there's uh, someone who, you know, having, if you watch witness testimony, I I don't think he was lying. I think he was uh, someone who seemed credible. He was... uh, uh, telling the truth. You know, I, I think we need to hear the other side of this. I know uh, Attorney General Sessions will be uh, talking about his involvement with Russia uh, in front of Congress. So, I, you know, I think there's just more evidence we need to hear. But based on uh, Comey's testimony, he certainly seemed like a credible, credible witness. Yeah, he did seem pretty honest. Um, all right. Well, this morning we're going to be talking about mortgages, and we have Attorney Frank Coxwell in with us, and we have a couple calls to get to. But uh, firstly, Attorney Coxwell, thank you so much for, for being on the show. Um, could you tell us a little bit about your background in this area of mortgages and uh, how expansive you know this, this area is? What is the overall umbrella when you're talking about mortgages? Well, I've been working with people who are facing foreclosure for over 36 years. Um, just 2002 uh, started a problem with mortgages because the way the mortgages are bought and sold nowadays is nothing like the way your grandfather or even your parents bought or had their mortgage. Mortgages nowadays, the mortgage company you have does not own your home. They don't own the note and they don't own the deed of trust. And I'm talking about all the mortgage companies, Wells Fargo, Bank of America, City, Chase, Aquin and all the rest of them. These companies and your mortgage company are rent collectors. They mm-hmm. act as a middleman. They're called mortgage servicers. They service the mortgage account for the real owner of the loan. And the real owner of the loan is the securitized trust. Everything a mortgage company does is outsourced to someone else. Now, is that with or without the knowledge of the people who have the mortgages that they're being outsourced? Well, the homeowners, it's, yeah, they don't know about all this. Mm-hmm. You know, we tend, when we see the Wells Fargo building in San Francisco or J.P. Morgan Chase building in New York, we think that's where our phone calls go mm-hmm. and that's where everything is done. But all the mortgage services are handled by third-party vendors. Payments are handled in one part of the country, insurance in another, inquiries somewhere else, collections are handled overseas. Everything is farmed out. Wow. So we'll, we'll uh, get, talk about that a little more in depth in just a moment. Uh, let's jump to the calls really quickly. Teresa is in Tennessee with a mortgage question. Good morning to you, Teresa. Good morning. Thanks for listening. Mm-hmm. Yeah, what do you have for us? Well, uh, I am a family member. Uh, my mother had a VA loan, 
and she had not used it. She's elderly. I had a job that was going to pull me out of state, relocate, because I live nearby her. So she offered to finance my home through her VA loan because it had no down payment, and we purchased that home. However, uh, it's in her name. I cannot write off uh, or claim the interest deduction that I'm entitled to, nor do I have the property in my name, although I've made, I make the actual mortgage payments on time and have done so for four years. And I'm a little concerned that without something such as a trust or, you know, she is remarried um, to someone and I'm just afraid, I'm 60 years old, I'll be 61 uh, next week and kind of concerned about the money that I'm investing in my property, which is going to be used for as an asset, is now at risk because I'm pretty much renting and have no security as far as ownership. Okay, Teresa. So uh, we're going to remind people that, you know, we can't give uh, exact advice on your particular case because uh, our attorneys don't have all the information, but we can just give you information based on the law. So, uh, Attorney Coxwell, based on what you heard, what are your thoughts? You need to figure out um, how your mother's going to give that property to you when she passes away. She can put it in a will and give it to you that way. Um, I'm not sure about the VA rules. I don't know if they'll allow you to be on the mortgage with her now. But that would be the best thing, would put a right of survivorship on there so that if she passes, the house would go directly to you. But you would need to be on the deed right now, and it, it would need to be a special deed that said right of survivorship. Okay. I will explore that, and thank you so much for your time. All right, Teresa, thank you for your call. We appreciate it. Uh, we'll stay on the phones. We're going next to Frank and Jackson. Good morning to you, Frank. Hello, hello, hello. We have a lawyer on the line. Yes, two. <laughs> Could you explain the difference? Well, let me give you some background. I uh, spoke to a financial advisor who was against uh, the new fiduciary law that might go into effect or a rule. And this advisor is saying that the ethical standards that are maintained by her association are just as good as the fiduciary responsibility. Now, in my mind, it's kind of like I belong to an association, so we're dating. You know, we love each other. Everything's going to be fine and good and wonderful. But when things go south, there's no legal responsibility. But if you're married, there's a very well-established set of legal rules to help establish what happens. So, again, this advisor is saying that the ethical standards of the association are just as good as any fiduciary responsibility imposed by the law because they say basically the same thing. Is that correct? I don't have any idea. <laughs> that's just that's outside of my area. Professor Gershon, do you have any thoughts? You know, well, you know, when you talk about fiduciary duties, I think the people may not understand what a fiduciary duty is, really. Um, a fiduciary duty just holds you to a higher standard. It's a, it's a duty of trust. Uh, so a lawyer, for example, has fiduciary duties to clients that it, that are beyond just the normal uh, legal duties of uh, reasonable care. Uh, and so, I mean, what Frank is asking is a really, really complex question that uh, 
I don't know that we – I think it would take us a lot of information and a lot of time to know, uh, you know, what kind of duty is implicated there. All right. Frank, thanks for your question. We appreciate it. Um, um, before we go to the break, um, Attorney Coxwell, you had mentioned that uh, some of these mortgages are handled overseas and they're just spread out in so many places. Uh, so with them being spread out like that, there there is a possibility of things being mishandled uh, at some point with things being spread out like that, right? Yeah. Everything the mortgage company does, every service they provide is outsourced to someone else. And there's a fee charged for everything. And usually the homeowner is the one that pays these fees. Mortgage companies rack these fees up. Uh, basically, they keep a separate set of books. And they rack all these fees up and charges on your mortgage account. But they don't necessarily tell you about them right now. Now, when you sell the property or go to refinance it, they'll load all these fees and charges into the payoff. Mm-hmm. And then give you a payoff, say you owe, say, for instance, $90,000. But maybe there's three or $4,000 or even $5,000 worth of fees and charges added into this loan that you're not even aware of. So are these things in the fine print? Um, I mean, are homeowners just being uh, completely duped and manipulated? Or are these things in the fine print and folks are just not aware? Well, the mortgage is a contract, and the note and the deed of trust set out the terms of the contract. And there's general provisions in there that say the mortgage company gets to charge for this and they get to charge for that. Uh, The problem is that the mortgage companies nowadays, computers decide what to charge for. Everything's automatically assessed by a computer. And a lot of charges are bogus charges, illegal charges, um, or charges for work that wasn't even done. Mm-hmm. Professor Gershon, your thoughts, I mean, you know, you, you teach students who uh, about mortgage law, um, you know, just laws in general, about contracts and things like that. What about the average person who's not in law school and who's not taught to read contracts thoroughly? Uh, how can folks get educated before uh, entering into these binding contracts? That's a, it's a great question, Sharita. And, you know, one of the things that I hope that lawyers are starting to do a little better job of is writing contracts in plain English. Uh, because really, we should be writing a set of instructions that someone who is not a lawyer could easily use to know what their conduct should be in a certain circumstance. And uh, and so the, the you know, contract should be written in a way that should not be confusing by uh, to the user, but should be clear to the user so that they you know they have this set of instructions. That being the case, they're often not. And so, uh, you know, we all sign, uh, agree to things that we probably shouldn't agree to. I have no idea what I've agreed to in terms of my, uh, my cell phone contract. I'm using my cell phone right now. Um, you know, I hope, I hope that my contract does not include having to give one of my children to the provider. It might, because I haven't read the whole thing. You know, but so, you know, I, I think sometimes, you know, when in doubt, talk to a lawyer. Uh, mm-hmm. especially if it's a big thing like a mortgage and you're not sure about what you're signing. You know, talk to somebody like Frank Coxwell. You know, uh, if, if you are uh, you know, going into a contract of, for employment that you're not sure about uh, and, and there are a lot of terms that you, you want to make sure you're clear on, talk to a lawyer. Yeah. One, one of the biggest problems is when people go to a loan closing, they think that they're paying for that lawyer there, but he does not represent them. That lawyer represents the money. Mm-hmm. His job is to make sure the money gets to the right place. And even though the homeowner, the home buyer is paying for that lawyer, he does not represent you. Oh, 
Boy, this sounds scary. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue this conversation about mortgages. We'd love to hear from you this morning, listeners, if you have any questions or comments about mortgages, how they are bought, sold, or managed. If you have any questions or comments about predatory lending, which is something we'll get into, we'll also talk about loan modifications. 877-MPB-RING is the number. If you want to join the conversation, we do have several lines open. 877-672-7464 or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law and Attorney Frank Coxwell of Coxwell Attorneys in Jackson. This morning we're talking about the specifics of mortgages. How are they bought and sold? Is your mortgage company really in control of your mortgage? We'll also talk about some recent laws passed by the Consumer Bureau to fix mortgage problems, and we'll talk about predatory lending and its effects as well. We'd love to hear from you this morning. 877-MPB-RING is the number. If you have any questions or comments about mortgages, your mortgage, how it's operated, and we can uh, give you advice uh, according to the law. 877-MPB-RING is the number. Uh, We'll go back to the phones. Savannah is in Mobile. Good morning to you, Savannah. What do you have for us today? Oh, good morning. Um, I I know that this is not. It's kind of related to mortgages because you got to pay taxes if you got a mortgage. And I know that I'm in a different state, so this may not be something that you can answer for me. But um, uh, legally, is there a difference on a county level between valuation and assessment? And I'm going to hang up and listen so I can write down whatever I need to note. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for your call. Well. Each county values the property um, based on what they think the property's worth. They either value the land and they value the improvements, which would be your house or any outbuildings on the property. Then there's an assessment made against that. In Mississippi, the assessment is a percentage of the value. Let's say 10%, for instance, and that's what the tax is that you would pay uh, for your ad valorem, your land taxes. Okay. All right. And- can I add, uh, you know, there could be, too, you know, there's, there's special uh, uh, state, very state to state, but depending on how, whether the person is uh, above a certain age, the assessment uh, may be lower. Uh, if it's a your personal residence versus, uh, you know, a second home, it may be lower. So that's, you know, again, something that uh, will vary from county to county. Um, so can we talk um, about the different types of mortgages? You know, I've uh, heard of an FHA. Uh, well, that's a, a loan. But we have fixed versus uh, adjustable rate loans and mortgages and things. Uh, could, could we talk about those? Are any of those uh, a little more or less dangerous when folks are trying to buy a home? Yes. The adjustable rate mortgage, the ARM, is the worst mortgage you can get. Why um, is that? The interest rate is tied to, it used to be tied to the LIBOR rate, which is um, an interest rate in, in Europe. Um, now it can be tied to the prime rate. But anytime that rate goes up, your interest rate goes up. Mm-hmm. And there's a certain amount that your interest rate will never go below 
and then there's another amount that your interest rate will never go above. But most cases, you start out with an 8% loan, and it's going to top out at 16%. You can't possibly stay in that house for 30 years and continue to pay the note because the interest rate goes up, which makes the note go up, but the house is not worth any more money. Mm -hmm. You're not paying it off any faster. You're just paying more interest on the loan. So that kind of loan would be offered to someone who may be in a desperate position? Um, Not necessarily. Those loans were offered to people who had great credit. But really? They're, they're huge money makers for the mortgage companies and for the brokers that made the loan and, of course, for the trust that owns the loan. So what would be a better type of loan? Uh, I imagine a fixed one? Fixed rate. Um, people are never offered 15-year mortgages. Everybody's offered a 30, but a 15-year... If you buy a $100,000 house and you finance it for 30 years, you're going to pay back approximately $300,000, including the interest. If you get that loan for 15 years, you're only going to pay back roughly $150,000. Because the longer you stretch it out, the more interest you're going to pay. And people don't realize for a 30-year mortgage, the first 15 years, you're just paying interest. You don't don't really touch the principal till the second 15 years of that loan. So why do you think people are more attracted to the 30-year? They're never never given a choice. The payments are only about $100 difference in the two different loans. Mm -hmm. Um, But most people are not given the choice because the 30-year loan makes more money for the mortgage company or the mortgage broker. Wow. Professor Gershon, what are your thoughts on that? Well, Frank, I was going to say, uh, is it, you know, one thing that... uh, would you advise people to, and this is kind of almost a, a more uh, money talks kind of question than it is a legal question, but, you know, even if they have a 30-year mortgage, they can make extra principal payments every month, which will, in, in essence, in some ways, have the same effect if they do that. Um, would you recommend people doing that? Yes, but you've got to read your deed of trust because there are instructions in there for making principal payments, and if you do not do it the exact way that the, the contract says for you to do it, the mortgage company is going to take that money, they're going to apply it to fees and charges that they've run up on the loan, and it's not going to go to principal. Ooh, okay. That's an interesting thought. 877-MPB-RING uh, is the number. This morning we're talking with attorney Frank Coxwell about uh, the legalities of mortgages and specifics, how they are bought, sold, operated. If you have any questions related to those topics, you can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. If you have any questions or comments about predatory lending or loan modifications or different types of mortgages and loans, 877 672 7464 is the number. We do have a few lines open. You can also send us an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. We'll go back to the phones. Keith is in Gulfport. Good morning to you, Keith. Hey, good morning, guys. I was just calling to check in. I have a background in, uh, let me turn this down some for you guys, but I have a background in, in real estate. But my question is this, is that I have a relative who is disabled and living with a disabled mother. He owns a home that he has not lived in for over a year and continues to make the payments on it. The loan was originated with Wells Fargo and then sold. And I guess the question is, is that can I assist him to go and just do a key give back or what's the best approach to get him out of the deal? Can I go to Wells and and negotiate with them or how would I approach that? Well, you can talk to Wells Fargo about letting them have the property back. Um, there's a deed in lieu where he can sign the deed over to the mortgage company. 
but he needs to understand that's a taxable event. He may owe taxes on that, giving them that property back because he didn't pay the loan back in full. If um, he could just walk away from it, let him foreclose it. Right, right. I mean, that's what I was. I've been telling him is just uh, to either do a walk away, or because I have the background, you know, to go to the bank and to say, "Hey, the guy can't make the make the the note, the note, and it's better for you to take it back than to foreclose it." And well, they, I just don't they, know how. They may not because there again, remember, they don't own the note. They don't own the house. They're just acting as a middleman, and it's going to be impossible for them to get permission from someone else to take the house back. Uh, they'll ask him to do a short sale where he's y'all got to run around and find someone that will pay less than what's owed on the house, and that's a lot of work if you're not going to get any money out of the house. If he just walked away from the house and did a foreclosure, let them foreclose it, if he doesn't, if he's on disability, there's nothing they could get from him if they did come after him for a deficiency. And in Mississippi, they only have a year to come after you for a deficiency after the foreclosure. If they don't come after you in that year, they can never do it. Right. Okay. Now, that's good information, and I appreciate your time. I know you're busy, so uh, thank you again for your help. Okay. Keith, thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Um, we were talking about these different types of mortgages. Could you talk about this balloon mortgage? I've not heard good things about it. Oh, there is nothing good about a balloon note. I have a lot of people that come to me that tell me, oh, uh, my local bank has my mortgage, and which means to me that that mortgage is on a, a five, seven, or eight-year balloon note, which mm-hmm. means every five years or so they have to go back to the bank and get the mortgage redone. And the money they pay each month is just the interest and carrying charges on the money that they borrowed. So they could do this every five years for 30 years and still owe all the money that they borrowed on the house. And the payments that they made, very little of it goes to the principal. So they would not be knocking the payments down or knocking the the mortgage down with each monthly payment like they would with a conventional mortgage. So um, I'm looking at uh, this website, and it says balloon mortgages are great for responsible borrowers with the intentions of selling the home before the due date of the balloon payment. Is that true? Well, yeah, if you could do that. But, I mean, when you have a balloon note, when the time runs, say the five years is up, you still owe all the money, and you have to come up with the money right then or you lose the house unless the mortgage. The bank is willing to renew it for another five years. Mm-hmm. But you're just get, you get caught in this trap of never being able to get this house paid off. Yeah. All right. Uh, Professor Gershon, did you have anything else? No, I didn't. I, think, I totally agree with Frank, and that's one of those things. That it, it, a lot of times people will get into those balloon uh, notes because that's the only way they can get into a house that's really more expensive than the house they should be buying. Mm. And, you know, I think sometimes we're tempted in having uh, things that are beyond our means. And credit will allow us to do that for short term, but in the long term, it, it doesn't pay off. Yeah. All right. We're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll continue this conversation about mortgages, uh, the specifics and legalities of mortgages. We'd love to hear from you if you have any questions or comments about how mortgages work, how, how they are bought, sold, or managed, operated. Give us a call at 877-MPB-RING. After the break, we'll talk a little bit about loan modifications, and we'll get into predatory lending as well. 877-672-7464 is the number. Currently, all our lines are open, so we have some time for you to call in 877-MPB-RING or email legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. Uh-huh. 
This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. Welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by attorney Frank Coxwell of Coxwell Attorneys in Jackson and Professor Richard Gershon of the University of Mississippi School of Law, who is joining us live from South Carolina at their School of Law. Today, we are talking about mortgages, the specifics of mortgages, how they are bought and sold. Uh, We're talking about mortgage companies as well. We'll get into predatory lending a little later, and uh, we'll talk about a couple laws passed by the Consumer Bureau to fix mortgage problems. You can give us a call at 877-MPB-RING if you have any questions or comments about mortgage loans. Uh, 877-672-7464 is the number if you have any comments or questions about how your mortgages are being operated. Uh, Or you can send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Okay, we have a call. Uh, This looks like Ella is in Memphis. Good morning to you, Ella. Hi. Hi. Um, Thank you, by the way. Uh, I I work in elder care, and there's a whole trend about reverse mortgages, and I would like, if possible, for you guys to explain that and then also pros and cons, maybe. Okay, yeah, thank you for bringing it up. I I forgot to mention. And I'm going to hang up because I'm driving. Okay, thank you. I will drive safely. Reverse mortgages generally are not good for anybody. There's a few people that they that they could help, but you have to have your house paid for or almost paid for. You need to be above a certain age. And what you're doing is the mortgage company pays you money every month or they'll pay you lump sum based on your equity in the house. You still have to pay the taxes and you still have to pay any insurance on the house. And this is something people forget about. I see a lot of foreclosures from reverse mortgages because people thought, well, I don't need to pay the taxes or the insurance anymore. But the reverse mortgage is a way for you to get the money out of the house, stay in the house until you die. Then if your heirs want to buy the house from the mortgage company, they can they can do that. They would have the right to do that. Or it's the mortgage company's house. So could you expand uh, expound a little bit on the elderly when it comes to things like re- reverse mortgages? What can the elderly do um, as, f- as far as from a responsibility standpoint to make sure they have folks in their lives who can kind of um, navigate their, their business for them when it comes to mortgages and like you were talking earlier about getting on someone's will. Uh, are, are the el- elderly targets for, for things like you know being taken advantage of when it comes to mortgages and housing? Most definitely. Um, as, as a child, we tend to, you know, my parents <clears throat> in their house, they're taking care of themselves and and I think, oh, well, they're t- still taking care of their business. But, you know, their mental um, facilities erode over time. Everybody's does. And, you know, you just have got to constantly keep um, track of your parents, particularly elderly parents, to make sure that they're not getting scammed and that people aren't calling him, telling him things. And they don't get wrapped up into contracts and mortgages that they shouldn't really be signing uh, because they still think that they can take care of their business. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times they can, but a lot, but more often they cannot take care of their business anymore, particularly financial business. And uh, if you just want to be selfish, you think, hey, that's my inheritance. 
that they're losing and they're spending. Mm. So uh, you want to watch out for them and, and make sure that they understand that they need to let other people in the family know when they're going to sign a contract or do something like this. Yeah, Professor Gershon, do you have additional thoughts on that? I know you have experience with wills and trusts and things like that. Right, and I think, you know, Frank, you know, a really important point is that, you know, in essence what they're doing is they're spending down any possible uh, equity in the home that could go to their, their children. That's one thing to think about. Um, you know, anytime somebody says to us, well, you can have money now uh, and, uh, and, you know, worry about the consequences later, it's tempting for anyone. It's especially tempting maybe for someone who's uh, a little bit older. But you need to look at really, you know, the, all the uh, – the effects of that because as frank mentioned i mean basically what you're doing is building up another loan you're taking the equity and and then turning that back into debt and um if you don't need to do that if you're not desperate to do that there's no reason to do that 877 mpb ring is the number this morning we're talking about mortgages the legalities and specifics of those if you have any questions or comments about your own mortgages and how the laws work you can give us a call at 877 mpb ring Uh, we'll talk about predatory lending in just a moment as well and loan modifications but if you'd like to share your experiences with us we'd love to hear from you 877-672-7464 is the number or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org so I've been saying that we were going to talk about loan modifications. What exactly is that? This was a program that the United States government had forced all the mortgage servicers to provide to people who had gotten into some of these mortgages in 2002 and up to 2008 that they could not afford. Um, during that period, if you could fog a mirror, you could get a mortgage. Mm. No income, no tax returns, no wage statements, nothing, because they were... They were creating all these trusts, and they were just selling houses left and right, and they were putting everybody in them. So when the bailout came for all these uh, mortgage banks, they were required to offer modifications to people to help them stay in their home and get them a home they could afford. And the main program was called uh, the Making Home Affordable program called HAMP. It expired December thirtieth, two 2016, so it's no longer available. There is a new program that the mortgage service is going to be required to offer in October of 2017. Now, some of them are offering it now, but it has a lot of the same benefits as the HEMP program. Um, If you're behind on the mortgage, all the fees and arrears will be put on the very end of the mortgage. The interest rate will be cut to 4.25%, and the goal of the program is to reduce the house payment by 20%. That's huge. <laughs> um, could you talk a little bit about hardships? Um, you know, what what kind of hardships would help somebody qualify for a loan modification? Well, beginning October, the mortgage companies have to offer it to everyone once they get 90 days behind. Whether you ask oh. for it or not, it's it's automatic. <clears throat> you can ask for it early. Uh, but the hardships are the, the same type of hardships we see in, in people filing bankruptcy. You know, medical expenses. Divorce. Every divorce creates two bankruptcies almost because of all the bills. Um, The jobs cut, lost jobs, hours cut, just the the normal everyday stuff in everybody's life creates a hardship. It hits some people harder than other people. Mm -hmm. So would you say it's harder to get a mortgage now Uh, since, you you know, you made that comment about it was really easy back then. What, What is it like these days? Well, 
after 2008, they tightened up and it was really difficult to get a mortgage. I noticed that subprime lenders are coming back into the business. These are people that loan uh, money and mortgage and provide mortgages for people who don't have perfect credit. Mm-hmm. And then again, who does? But um, they're called subprime. And we see a lot of them coming back into the business. So it looks like it's getting to the point that people are going to, it's going to be easier for get people to get mortgages. So subprime, yeah, think, go ahead, Professor Gershon. Go ahead. I'm sorry, I was going to say, you know, the thing that worries me about the subprime lenders, it's almost like, and I, you know, I, I know I'm going to slam an industry here, so forgive me for this. This is my opinion. It's like payday lenders. Uh, they, they're the people who say, okay, well, you know, what we'll do is we'll give you something now, uh, even though you may not really be able to afford it. Uh, and then you're going to be paying us back at much higher rates. And, and it takes advantage of people uh, who uh, really have financial um, struggles. Yeah. Are, are these individuals ever held accountable, these subprime lenders? Well, you, something you have to look at. And the reason we don't see as many predatory lending lawsuits is the people signed the papers. Yeah. They, they wanted the house so bad that they agreed to all these terms. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, what I generally do when I go after mortgage companies is the predatory servicing, what the mortgage companies is doing to the, are doing to the person every single month, every time they take a payment. They're misapplying the payments. They're charging fees and, and other charges that they're not entitled to. When they misapply payments, it costs homeowners money. Mm-hmm. So when it comes to predatory lending, um, are they targeting specific demographics um, like uh, m- minorities? Uh, are they going to um, rural areas? Or are there any places where predatory lending is more prevalent? Sure. Well, for example? Well, uh, minority areas, mm-hmm. uh, low-income areas. Uh, in two th- up to 2008, people that never should have been even considered for a mortgage were getting houses. It was just unbelievable the people how easy it was for people to get houses because they were trying to fill all these trusts with, with mortgage loans. Um, people in, in disparate neighborhoods can get the same loan with one's got a huge interest rate on it and predatory um, provisions like prepayment penalties and adjustable rate mortgages and someone in another neighborhood get the same loan, lower interest rate, no prepayment penalties and no adjustable interest rate. So, what are the resources for those individuals? You know, even if they sign the papers and they find themselves in a, in a crunch, are there advocacy groups or anyone to to help them get out of those situations? Well, there are some, but generally, they just need to apply for a modification, mm. and, and because they they are the exact people that these modification programs and loss mitigation programs are set up to help. Yeah. All right, John is on the line, and uh, Gaucher, good morning to you, John. What do you have for us? Okay, I'm having a real hard time contacting my loan servicer. I need to uh, get another copy of my IRS form for the uh, interest income. Well, what I tell people all the time is stop dealing with your mortgage company on the telephone. I know it's so easy to pick up the phone and call them, but if things don't work out the way you think they're going to or your problem doesn't get solved, you got no record of the fact that you called 15 times trying to get this problem resolved. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, you need to deal with the mortgage company in writing and make them deal with you in writing. You need to write a letter and ask for this. And there's two special letters that came out of the new 
Consumer Financial Protection Bureau regulations that allow you to get this type of information or to report errors to the mortgage company. And if you do these letters right, the mortgage company must respond to you within a certain period of time and give you the information you you require or you have a private right of action to sue them for violating the regulation. Okay, John, you have anything else? All right, John, we appreciate it. Oh, go ahead. The regulation, so what? Say that again, John. They violated the regulations, so what? What can I do about it? But they haven't violated it until you request this information in the proper way. There's a special address on your mortgage statement called the Qualified Written Request or Notice of Error Address, and you must send the letter to that address or it doesn't count and nothing matters. You must use that address. All right, John, thank you for your call. If you have any additional questions, you can uh, send them to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Attorney Coxwell, can you just touch a little bit on documentation, how important it is to keep up with the things that you send if you're making any kind of requests, uh, if the mortgage company uh, is sending you something in return? uh, How important is documentation? It's very important. Most of the cases I get, people have been dealing with their mortgage company on the telephone, and they tell me, well, I did this and I did that, and they told me this and they told me that. I said, we got no proof of it. Hmm. You know, that's why I say stop dealing with the mortgage companies on the telephone. Deal with them in writing by certified mail so you've got a record that they got your letter. <clears throat> and if you use this special address, then they have to respond uh, within five days and let you know they got your letter. And then within 30 days, they have to give you the information you requested or correct the error that you notified them of. All right, we're going to take a quick break. When we get back, we'll wrap up the conversation about mortgages. And we'd love to hear from you. We do have all our lines open and plenty of time for you to join the conversation if you'd like to share your experiences with us. Have you had some issues with your mortgage lately? Um, Maybe it's a situation that you got out of and you want to share your experiences. If you have any questions or comments about how mortgages are bought, sold, or operated, call us at 877-MPB-RING. you have any thoughts on predatory lending, loan modifications, 877-672-672. 7464 is the number. We do have some time left. You can also send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. This is Think Radio. This is an MPB Think Radio podcast. To hear previous shows, visit mpbonline.org or download the MPB Public Radio app to listen on your iPhone or Android phone on demand. And welcome back to In Legal Terms on MPB Think Radio. I'm Sharita Brent, joined today by attorney Frank Coxwell of Coxwell Attorneys in Jackson and Professor Richard Gershon who's broadcasting live from South Carolina, uh, the law school there, and he's uh, with the University of Mississippi School of Law. And today we've been talking about mortgages and mortgage companies. Uh, We've been talking about predatory lending, and there's still some time for you to join the conversation if you'd like to share your experiences about your own mortgages. Uh, Have you had any issues uh, with with unfair treatment by a mortgage company? If you have any questions or comments about how mortgages are bought, sold, or operated, we'd love to hear from you this morning. 
877-MPB-RING is the number. Do you have any thoughts on predatory lending? Uh, any uh, solutions that you think could be put in place to prevent that? 877-672-7464 is the number. Or send an email to legalterms at mpbonline.org. Um, so a couple things that we uh, haven't gotten to yet. Before the show, we were talking about um, a statute of limitations uh, that that can be put in place. And I'm I'm forgetting what you were saying about when when the statute of limitations can be applied. But could you uh, talk about that? Well, we were talking about predatory lending, mm-hmm. and the statute of limitations for predatory lending is six years, and that runs from the day the loan was closed because everything you needed to know was in those closing documents. Mm-hmm. Nobody ever reads them. They take a big stack, two-inch stack of documents home, stick them in a folder somewhere, and they never look at them again. But that's what starts the time because everything you needed to know if the loan was predatory would have been in those documents. Mm. But what we do is when we go after mortgage companies, we're going after the things that they're doing right now every month. As I was talking about these fees and charges they add on to each loan. And some of the things I have my clients request from mortgage companies just to see what's going on is, you know, every year or so we'll ask for an itemized payoff. So, and that breaks out the payoff so we can see what fees and charges are added onto the loan, how much is still left on the loan. Sometimes I ask for a transaction history going back five years. Sometimes we go back to the first date of the loan and get a, a history of all the payments, where the payments were made. Um, of course, we want to know who the real owner of the loan is. Mm-hmm. Because it's a securitized trust, and your mortgage company's not going to tell you that they don't own the loan. Yeah, because that's concerning. <laughs> like, well, who owns it? Uh, let's see. Perry is in Cleveland and wants to talk about foreclosure. Good morning to you, Perry. Good morning. Hey, what do you have for us? Uh, yeah, um, back when the housing crisis in the early 2000s, um, unfortunately, I was in my early 20s and I took out a very small mortgage um, only about 25% of what I owed on the home I put 75% down and um, I sent um, in seven payments which were cashier's checks and they never sent anything saying that they wouldn't accept that until they decided to put my home up for foreclosure and put the home up for auction. Wow. And so I was wondering if there was any way for me to go back and possibly take any legal action and get my money back because I've talked to a couple of lawyers about it over the years, and they said, well, that that company was bankrupt and that the CEO or whatever of that company was in jail in Florida and that there was nothing I could do about it. How long has it been? Um, let's say uh, a good 10 years. Yeah, it's too late. You just waited too long. Mm, man, this is a, uh, it sounds horrible. So sorry that you're having to go through this period. So, so she has no, no, no outs. No. You know, mortgage servicers nowadays are in the foreclosure business. They're not in the keep you in your home business. And if there's even a hint of a foreclosure or a threat of a foreclosure from your mortgage company, you need to see a lawyer that does foreclosure defense immediately and learn what options are available for you. You never want to be in the position of having to sue to get your house back. Mm-hmm. All right, Perry. Uh, extremely sorry that you had to go through that. I uh, wish you luck in the future. Thank you so much for calling. Uh, final call goes to Alex in Meridian. Good morning to you, Alex. 
Hey, good morning. How are you? Great. How are you? I'm doing great. All right. What do you have for us? I have a question. I want I want to ask a question about uh, paying on the principal or what amount, what percent uh, you could possibly pay to pay your house off sooner. I heard something about paying on the principal. You could pay it off seven years earlier. So I wanted to know about that. Well, there's a lot of that floating around. The people say that if you'll make biweekly payments on your mortgage, you can pay it off a lot quicker. And I think there is some truth to that. But if you want to make a principal payment, you need to look at the deed of trust. That's the contract that determines, and usually these deeds of trust are standardized, where every one of them says basically the same thing, but there are specific instructions in there about how you go to pay off principal. And you have to be current on everything else in order for them to apply that money to the principal. Now, it's not going to change your monthly notes, but it shortens the time on the back end of the loan. Right. Okay. Meaning, uh, you're saying current on everything just means current on your uh, on your mortgage payment, right? Yeah, and any fees, late charges, or, you know, mail fees, NSF fees, okay. anything you might owe. Well, all right. You mentioned that. You mentioned that. Uh, at the beginning of the loan, you're just paying interest. And at the end of the loan, you're paying a lot more principal. So what you're really doing is paying off some of those later years earlier. And that's why it shortens the, the length of the loan. Yeah. Okay. All right, Alex. Thank you so much for your call. We appreciate it. Good luck to you. Well, uh, we have run out of time. That's going to wrap us up here on In Legal Terms. Attorney Frank Coxwell, thank you so much for being in today. And Professor Gershon, thank you for being on today. Safe travels back to Mississippi. And our board operator today was Jay White. And our call screener was our wonderful intern. whose name I cannot remember. Was he? Patrick. Patrick is our intern, and he was our call screener. Thank you so much, Patrick. Guys, stay tuned. Uh, Relatively Speaking with Dr. Susan Buttress is coming up next right here on MP. TV Think Radio.